On this episode of School Gia, Clint and Chad give you some last-minute gift ideas for the educator in your life. They revisit the effects of the pandemic, but this time they discuss some of the negative impacts on education. And they finish the episode with Clint expertly impersonating movie lines. Okay, enjoy the episode, and have a Merry Christmas. And in the end, Bruce Willis looks directly into the camera and says, Merry Christmas, mother And that's why Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I don't think that's true. No, it is. Anyway, I'm Clint. And I'm Chad, and this is our podcast all about teaching, Schooled Ya. Brought to you by two middle-aged educators, dads, and hipster doofuses who talk incessantly about the American public school system. Before we go too much further, I think we need to have a little talk, Clint. Uh, the talk? I have three kids, Chad. I think I know... Not not that talk. We need to talk about how we're going to run the podcast going forward. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, this seems like the kind of thing we should have probably discussed before we hit record. Too late. Also, I think it's a good idea to include our moms, I mean, I mean our audience, in the conversation, just so they know what to expect. That's a good point. So what do you think? Well, we realized in the first three seasons that doing an episode every two weeks was actually a lot of work. So I think one of the things we're going to do is maybe put one out once a month. Yeah, that's a lot of editing. There's a lot behind the scenes, and we're both full-time workers. And it's not like we're making any money off zero, of this. Zero, so, in fact, zero yeah. money. Uh, another thing I think would be a good idea as we go forward would probably be to try to include some other voices because we are a couple of middle-aged white dudes, and it would probably be good to try and get some other people and different perspectives in on what we're doing. And since Zoom meetings and Google Meets and all that stuff is a lot easier now than it ever was before, we can probably start pulling in some of our friends and some of some other colleagues and uh, get their opinions and their ideas. Yep, sounds good. Can we talk about Christmas? Sure, buddy. Since we're releasing this on Christmas Eve, the day many of us finally get around to buying our presents, we thought we'd drop a last-minute buying guide for the teachers in your life. Right. So we each thought of a few things that are inexpensive, practical, and actually helpful in a teacher's life that they might want, rather than just another mug with a cute saying about how teachers make the world a better place <laughs> or some other desk tchotchkes. I love those mugs, Clint. I have so many, and they're <laughs> lovely, and I appreciate everybody that ever gave me one, but I have enough. You really only need just one mug. That's true. If that. Unless you're me and you don't do a very good job of cleaning it, and then it's That's like, true. shoot, I need another one. I feel like I'm turning into Howard Rube here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, just so everyone's clear, the format of this or what we agreed on is we're going to come up with kind of our top three gifts for teachers. And um, Clint, I, you kind of talked about it just now, but what is your idea of what makes something a good gift? I like gifts that I can use. If you've ever been in my classroom, you'll know that I have plenty of decorations and those kinds of things. Uh, and usually for me, if it's a, it's either something that is usable every day or something that is consumable, a thing that I need and that I don't have to go out and get. What about you? So I had a couple like standards that I used to to choose mine. I think it's really special when it's thoughtful and it says something from the giver like, I know who you are. 
right? I, I understand you or I, I know what you like, those types of things. Sometimes something that's a little bit more higher end or like more luxury than the person would get themselves. I think that's always like a really nice gift. And then I always think experiences or, or something a person can do with that gift always trumps something that is, in all due respect to yours, consumable. So those were some of my standards when I was choosing mine. I'll, I'll go first. And this is number three. We're, we're working our way down. Uh, I actually got, to, a couple years ago, I had someone give me a pen, a very nice pen, which I at the time thought, oh, I don't really need a pen. I'm good with my 16 cent Bix. And I have, and partially because I lose pens and pencils all the time, I have held on to this for two years and it is so nice, Clint. It is the nicest pen I've ever owned. Now, I didn't realize how expensive it was until I just looked it up on Amazon yesterday. It's like a $60 pen. So I would not recommend that as a gift for too many people. But I will say this. It is above and beyond what I normally would use. And it is a very special thing for me. So if you have um, if you have it in your budget and you're looking for something a little bit more special that you know that person wouldn't go out and get on their own, go out and look for a, for a nice pen. That. That sounds amazing. Being the very irresponsible person that I am, I don't know that I would have been able to hang on to a pen for that long, but that sounds awesome. I've never used a pen that is more expensive than my normal Bix. So I'd, I imagine I, I think I think uh, proportionately it's probably the most valuable thing I own when I say proportionately like, compared to like a cheap version of itself. Um, it's probably yeah. the most valuable thing I own. Um, also, I would say that as a teacher, I probably wouldn't have used this as much as I do as an administrator. And I probably would have had a much higher likelihood of losing it just because classrooms can get so chaotic and you set things down and they disappear. I'm going to start with my highest end piece. These can range in price anywhere from like 12 bucks to 50 bucks, but it's just a laptop Mm. stand. I know that that sounds sort of silly. Like what's the difference if your laptop is elevated or not, but right now I have multiple screens at school and it was very frustrating to have one screen at a normal height. And then I had Mm -hmm. to like squint and crane my neck to see my laptop screen. And one of my colleagues Uh, happened to have an extra and was like, here, you can use this if you want to. And I propped my computer up and was like, oh man, this is the best thing ever. I use it every day and I'm grateful for it every day. It doesn't have to be a super expensive model, just something that holds the computer up a little bit, makes things work a little better for your workspace. So I I highly recommend a laptop stand. And to my point about what makes a good gift, something that you don't think you need and someone says, I think you would really enjoy this or I think you could use this and it changes, I mean, not to be overly dramatic, but it kind of changes your life a little bit. That's awesome. Okay, so this was actually a gift that was given to me and I think it was a great idea. I have a... favorite quote or I was sharing. Have you ever seen Ted Lasso? Uh, I know what it is, but I've never seen it because we don't have Apple TV. I had a favorite quote from a really impactful scene in, 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 I think it was the first season. Um, it, it was about the, the, the quote is be curious, not judgmental. And it's just really powerful scene. If you've seen Ted Lasso, it's the scene in the bar where he's playing darts. And I love the monologue he gave while kind of delivering that message. And I was sharing that with a colleague of mine. And then last year on my birthday, she had basically printed off that monologue on just a nice piece of paper. Kind of, um, I don't know if there's a name for it, but it's kind of where like the text is like different sizes, kind of as you read through, it's kind of just artistic looking. And I have it hanging on my wall. I use that quote or that that story quite often when speaking with kids and it's a, I think it's a really powerful message about not being 
um, you know, stere- not stereotyping, not ge- being judgmental, but it's a wonderful gift in that it was something that was, you know, important to me, uh, something that somebody just kind of overheard in conversation and thought to themselves, oh, you know, Chad would really like that. So my, my idea is finding something, whether it be a, um, a picture uh, from, you know, a movie or a line from a, a song or, or a quote from a movie or something like that, that you know that that person loves. Maybe it's funny. It doesn't have to be necessarily like this poignant, powerful piece, but something like that that really says, I, I, I know what you like and that they can put up in their classroom or in their office, I think is a really cool special gift. And also, you know, probably less than 10 bucks, even if you had it printed at a at a nice place. That's a that's a good one. I had somebody make me a uh, this is very silly, but from the TV show Parks and Recreation, somebody mm-hmm. printed a picture of little Sebastian and framed it. <laughs> and I still have it in my room. Yeah. It's a great present. Absolutely. Sometimes just those things that are representative of what you like and who you are 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 really nice. Absolutely. A thing that I like to do in my classroom is with student assignments, I like to use stamps to mm-hmm. indicate that they've completed something. You know, you run out of ink. A lot of stamps that are fun uh, are you use them for a while, and when they run out of ink, there's no way to re-ink them. Right. And also stickers are great. And mm-hmm. I love those kinds of things that I will use all the time, and they're fun and quirky, and if people find fun stuff that they can that they can do. Also, yeah. I had a kid once customize a stamp for me, and it just said C. Hill, said my initials C. Hill, so, mm-hmm. uh, so chill. And I would use that as my stamp for uh, hall passes and stuff. Yep. And that was th- those kinds of things are really great. They're not not terribly expensive and uh, can easily used a lot in the classroom. There are a lot of you, you know you talked about not buying things for yourself. I love giving kids prizes for doing a good job. I love mm-hmm. having those kinds of activities available for kids. But I am a cheap son of a gun, and I don't hmm. like going out and buying those things very often. And when somebody gives me things that I can replenish the prize supply, mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that very much. Okay, so we're we're on to our kind of number one here. But before we do that, it was hard to come up with just three. So we agreed that we're going to come up with a list of honorable mentions that we're just going to run through really quick. So I'll go first. My first is a Roomba. We have some a teacher in our building that got a Roomba and she runs it in the evenings uh, right before she leaves. And uh, it just kind of does a little bit of that initial cleaning. And I thought that was a great idea. A really This is higher end, but a really good chair, a really good desk chair. If you are willing to spend a couple hundred bucks for somebody, uh, that would be an amazing gift. A second monitor. If they do not have a second monitor, get them a second monitor. Water bottle, preferably for me, a water bottle that doesn't have a lot of moving parts, just a big opening at the top that's easy to wash. And then lastly, this is more a gift that you could maybe take advantage of as a as a teacher is if you have some great artists in the school, commission them to do a piece for your family. It helps them out. You get to pay them a little bit or get them a gift card. It gives them an opportunity to express their art and kind of know what that's like to be a, to be a paid artist. And it also is an amazing gift for your family. Um, Clint, you probably remember Rachel Speakman. I had her mm-hmm. um, do a drawing of our dog and it's phenomenal. We have it hanging in our house and, you know, I was able to give her like a $50 gift card to an art, art store. And um, so if you have some artists in your building, uh, commission them to do some work for you. Those are great. So my honorable mentions uh, calendars and planners, while I don't use them, I definitely have work with people that do and love customizing them and getting all those all set up. So absolutely, those are, are helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, posters for the classroom. One of the worst things for kids is to walk into a classroom that is totally blank. 
Um, if you know a teacher that needs some of those kinds of things that, to help spice up their room a little bit, those can be really helpful. Um, games that can be, be productive time fillers. I have mm-hmm. a few trivia packs that uh, I will use with kids when I've got an extra 10 minutes or something. Um, and then decks of cards, dice, and other stuff like that. It's surprising how many activities can be done with those very simple tools. Yeah. And then finally, probably the most important <laughs> and best thing on my honorable mentions list, air fresheners. Yep. I teach freshmen. They are stinky. And uh, having a, having something that you can plug in or, or spritz around a little bit after an onion sandwich consumer walks through. You, you, it really helps out for sure. Okay, all right, here we go. The 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 final one, the top of our list. Some people may consider this a little bit of a cop out, but I think if you do it right, this is actually an excellent gift for a teacher. And if you're really doing your shopping on Christmas Eve, you could go get some of these right now. And that is a gift card. But I'm going to be very specific here: a gift card for some sort of experience. So, for example, we often will get our kids' teachers gift cards to the movie theater. Also, even restaurants, I think, is a great uh, great opportunity. If you have a Top Golf near you, a bowling alley, arcades, anything that a teacher can take their family to and maybe look forward to in January or February using and not actually you know consuming or using right away, I think is a great gift. Yeah, it's not something they're necessarily going to use in their classroom. You know, we know how stressful and and busy teachers' lives are and to have that opportunity to go out and do something with their families and and not have to foot the bill for the entire thing is, to me, a excellent, excellent gift and easy to buy and easy to give. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, Kind of kind of forcing the issue on self-care and making sure they take time for themselves. That's great. Uh, My number one is also some self-care. My lunch period right now is at 10:45 and oh my I'm not hungry at 10:45. So it's uh, so what I have to do is either eat in front of the kids or sneak snacks all day long and that is my number one gift. Snacks. If you know yeah. what a person likes, get them a big fat supply of food that they can eat that is quick, that is nutritional, but also just something that they can have when life gets crazy. Uh, so that they are not running on empty. Like you kind of said with the gift card, it's a little bit of a cop-out. It might feel like not that big of a deal, but like a gift basket of legitimate food that they will like to eat goes a long, long way and uh, will be incredibly useful. I think that's great. So those are our recommendations, but there's always the opportunity to check out other sponsors, uh, like the sponsor that we're going to talk about right now, Today's episode is brought to you by Good Dot Store. I'm going to be sincere in this ad and rep an actual business that is giving us zero things in return. And that's because, like Newman's own, this company donates 100% of their profits to charity, specifically Partners in Health, an organization that works to increase access to public health around the globe. Good Dot Store has three main products, socks, coffee, and soap. I've been getting the socks for the past three years, and they are my favorite clothes purchases every year. They're soft, well-made, and have the greatest designs ever. And when they show up monthly in my mailbox, I can't wait to go to school the next day and show them off to my students. So, if you have feet, check out Good.Store and join the Awesome Socks Club. You'll be glad you did. And welcome back. 
Last month, we talked about some of the positive changes we've witnessed in education over the past three years, but it obviously hasn't been all good. So we thought we'd take a look at how life has gotten a bit harder for educators as we muddled through the post-pandemic process. And just to make sure we don't fall into a negative thought spiral or an unhinged rant, (laughs) I'm going to start a timer for each new topic. No more than two minutes per problem. Agreed? Yes, I agree. I am going to begin with attendance, especially in my role as an assistant principal at a high school. This has obviously always been an issue. Statistically, we are seeing a huge increase in chronic absenteeism uh, in our state, in our district, nationwide. Um, Just to give you a small example, increased our chronic absenteeism over 20% last year than compared to pre-pandemic rates. And, And part of that, I think, is a little bit of a mixed message that families have gotten and that, you know, it used to be if you were kind of sick or you had the sniffles or a little sore throat or a headache or whatever, you came to school. And there was a, for a long time there during the pandemic, uh, there was a messaging of really any symptom you needed to stay home. And that has been a hard thing to sort of bring back a little bit. Um, and I understand that with families, they're not sure exactly when to send their kids and when not to. But I think it's also just become just more of just an issue of I'm not going to school and parents not necessarily forcing their kids to do so. Yeah. And I think that uh, one of the benefits that we talked about last time of being able to have assignments online Mm -hmm. and other kinds of things gives kids and parents the excuse of, well, they'll just do it at home and it will be fine. And so, yeah, I also see a lot of attendance problems. And as a school that doesn't have block schedule, we're in class every single day. And as a teacher who has assignments every single day uh, a kid misses a couple of yeah. days they're suddenly way behind right. and missing experiences and missing information that makes it really hard to to get back on yeah well and i would say i would say that issue that you just described there is sort of the catalyst for increasing uh, attendance problems i i obviously spent a lot of time working with students and they miss some school, get behind, and then showing up to class uh, on a daily basis feels very um, difficult because I've missed three days and now I have no idea what's going on. And I don't want to, I don't want to keep coming. I don't want to show up because I'm totally lost. And so um, it's sort of this t- terrible spiral that's really hard to get kids out of. Absolutely. And that's our two minutes on that. But that's cool mm-hmm. because my next one goes right with that. And that's kind of the kids tend to take school a little less seriously than they used to. And it's not like kids were yay school (laughs) before the pandemic. Uh, But the idea of uh, coming to school every day, getting your work done, participating in class, all of that stuff, uh, kids just don't have the uh, grittiness or work ethic to try and figure things out. They expect everything to be spoon-fed to them. And if you don't spoon-feed it to them, they are way more likely to just cheat. Uh, I know that chat GPT is a thing, and I know that that is scaring a lot of educators. But what I see is much more of just passing around assignments, taking a picture of somebody else's notes on your phone and thinking that's good enough to be able to study or, or do well on an exam or whatever. Uh, I just don't see the same level of importance on education uh, from our students that that I used to see. For a good chunk of a year and a half, we basically just took out 
any sort of uh, requirements for education, at least at the high school level. I mean, it was kind of a free pass for a long time. And um, that was especially some of our kids that are juniors and seniors now. That was a very formative time of of their kind of higher end of, of their, their educational experience where we were just saying like everyone passes, uh, just show up. Um, and that really, I think built a lot of habits that are, that our kids are still having a very difficult time getting out of. It is a problem that we created, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, looking back at what we were facing during the pandemic, I don't know how we would have done it. No. And you know, our, our seniors this year were freshmen uh, during the, the, COVID year where I was teaching them online. I had them for math and we, we sort of joke. I mean, a, a lot of them are like, yeah, I would just log in and go back to sleep. And I remember you kind of Mr. Matson, but not really. Cause for a, a whole year, I really wasn't taking your, your math, your required algebra one math class that I need to graduate from high school. And wow, what a tough way to start high school. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And what was what's crazy is that you look at the juniors and even though they have a lot of problems still mm-hmm. uh, with those work ethic and all that kind of stuff, the difference in attitudes about school is so different yes. between the juniors and the seniors. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my daughter, Misha, is a senior this year. And she jokes all the time about how far behind she is in math and science. Those classes where you kind of need to be there right. to understand it, at right. least for her. Those are not her highest skills. Yeah. And she like lost a lot sure. from that pandemic. Yeah. So I think moving on to the next one, we have sort of had a drop off in the rigor of our teaching and learning, and especially in terms of sort of engagement between teachers and students. I think we've gotten kind of back to in some cases, the worksheets again and, and sort of that style of teaching that we were mo- really moving away from prior to the pandemic. And then during the virtual learning process, that was sort of a almost a requirement at that point to have a lot of, I'm doing air quotes here, but busy work. And um, it's, again, been a little bit hard to get out of that rut again. Yeah, we designed our, our curriculum around things that kids could do on their own. Right which necessarily drops the rigor and also drops social interaction because we all know that the kids weren't doing anything in those breakout rooms. So as a result, we kind of changed the way that we taught and we have not reverted back to doing project or experiential based. And not everybody is this. I'm painting with a really broad brush. Yeah, we have some we have some teachers doing phenomenal things in our building that are working very hard to get away from that, but I think the the resistance from our students is greater than maybe it would have been in 2019 uh, because of what they've kind of become accustomed to and, frankly, what seems to be easier. And I think uh, as a teacher, we have gotten to, and this is something else that we were going to talk about, teachers have more responsibilities, but in order to keep ourselves sane, we have in some cases lowered our expectations and said, okay, well, I'm not going to do that essay assignment that I always have given because I just don't have time to grade it anymore. Right. The kids don't aren't going to put in the effort into this thing. So why should I even do it? It's easier just to get them to do this worksheet. And uh, I know that I'm guilty of that at times. I have put together a lot more crossword puzzles for vocab work. I have to reflectively look back and be like, okay, how can I do this in a way that will get the kids to interact instead of trying to do everything on their own, playing a Kahoot in there or doing some kind of online game where they're just competing with themselves. How can we do something that is actually socially interactive so that they can 
be more invested. So that kind of dovetails into our next one of more responsibilities for teachers. We are healthcare providers in some cases. Mental health is definitely much more of a problem. But the one that I see a lot of is the immediacy of grades. Kids expect that grades are gonna go in instantly. And when you put in a grade, the kids that care will see on their phones oh, I got a C on this test. I better go and see if I can make it up. And holy cow, do they expect to be able to make up everything? Sure. Yeah, and you know, I don't know. Some of these are just maybe the direction we would have headed anyway um, in education. I don't know how much of it had to do with with the COVID pandemic. Um, um, I have seen an increase just in the, you know, since we started doing grading systems that were available to see online. I have seen an uptick of sort of that need for immediate uh, response on how I did on things and how can I fix it. And that obsession with grades has been an issue for a long time, but it certainly has been um, noticeable as we've come back in the last couple of years. Gone are the days when we used to print up the grade reports and post them on the wall with the kids' student ID numbers. And they would only know when we told them what their grades were. And it definitely, I mean, in some ways that's good. Keeps me from being super lazy on my grades, yeah. but in other ways it can be really, really frustrating and stressful. Well, and I think it's also worth noting that there's some research out there that shows that once a student knows what they got on a test, their openness to learning their mistakes or sort of learning from from that exam has gone out the window. Our math department at Astoria has a process where they actually go through the test the day after they take it, but the kids don't know their their results until after they've mm-hmm. done all of that. And there's a reason for that because, as you know, you hand a kid a test back and they get a 98% or a 52% and they're like, I failed it and uh, or I passed it and sometimes it goes right in the trash. We're like, we want to make sure we use those as learning tools as well. And um, we, we know that if they know their score, then they aren't as interested. And rant over. Whew. That was rough. But I'm glad we got that off our chest. Yep. And you know what I want to rub all over my chest like some Vicks VapoRub? Fake ad break. Hello, this is Adam Ingram from Ingram Education Tutoring Institute of Piscataway. So you've been hearing about AI, right? It's everywhere. AI for computer coding, AI artists, AI detective work, and of course, AI is all over schools with AI math solving and essay writing. You heard of ChatGPT, right? Their office is like five blocks away. I drive by it every day, swear to God. Also, our custodian dated one of their programmers for a while. So yeah, we're pretty dialed in on AI also here at the Ingram Education and Tutoring Institute. That's why we're now offering the first of its kind, an AI tutoring service for you or your struggling child. Here's how it works. You call us, tell us what subject or subjects you need help in, and we will send an expert in that area to your house for tutoring services. And all of our tutors have first names that begin with A and last names that begin with I. That is my personal guarantee. You need a tutor for geometry? Alan Ingram can help with that. How about reading? We got Angie Isaac on her way. All our AI tutors meet the strict standard of having the initials AI. We've checked each and every driver's license to ensure you get the real thing. So don't get left behind in today's AI revolution. Call today to secure your AI tutor. Uh, It says here AI means artificial intelligence. Wait, what? And we're back. Last time, Chad gave me a little quiz testing my history skills, and I barely squeaked out a win. We're talking Christian Leitner in the 90s type last-minute victory. Ugh, I hate that guy. Many do. 
<laughs> it will not surprise you to know that I love Duke and loved Duke in the 90s. Everybody else loved Michigan. I did not. They had big baggy shorts that made me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> Anyways, I thought it would be fun today to turn the tables and see how you do with naming some movies that these teaching quotes come from. Ooh. All right, here we go. Audience, you need to understand that for whatever reason, our technology is not good enough that I can play the audio clip for Chad so that he can hear the actual actor. So I'm going to do my best to impersonate it for him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to have three uh, multiple choice uh, to get your answers. Okay. And if you get it right, you get a point. And if you get it wrong, you have a redemption where once you've heard, if you can name either the actor or the character name, you okay. can get a bonus point for that. Great. So I'm going to keep track of your score here on my little piece of paper. And you said these are all movies that are about education? They are all either about education okay. or about someone teaching something to someone Got else. it. Got it. Okay. okay. Here we go. You don't have to worry about me because I'm a hard ass. And if a kid gets out of line, I got no problem smacking him in the head. Is that from A, Easy A, B, School of Rock, or C, Whiplash? I've only seen School of Rock. I don't think he would have said that in there. So I'm going to go with Whiplash. Oh, I'm sorry. It was School of Rock. Oh, it was School of Rock. But can you name the actor or character? Jack Black? It's Jack Black. Okay. You get the. I, I mean, I knew Jack Black was the main character. I just didn't know if he would say that. Okay. All right. Yeah, he says it to the principal on his first day. Okay, and, that makes sense. It's yeah. Before he's, uh, before you know, he knows endeared himself. Yes, okay. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. No more complaining. No more. Mr. Kimball, I have to go to the bathroom. Nothing. There is no bathroom. Okay, you don't need to give me any choices on this. This is Kindergarten Cop. Arnold Schwarzenegger, and his name is Jack? No, John Kimball. Uh, yeah, probably. I only okay. wrote down Mr. Kimball. That means okay. you get two points for that one. You are on a roll, sir. Here's the next one. Okay. I don't really know how to impersonate this person. That's why. So here we go. <laughs> a teacher has two jobs. Fill young minds with knowledge, yes. But more important, give those minds a compass so that knowledge doesn't go to waste. Is that from the movie Chalk? Mr. Holland's opus or Coach Carter? Coach Carter, prince, the principal. No. <laughs> oh, dang wrong. It. I'm sorry. Uh, it was Mr. Holland's opus. Dang it. But can you name either the actor or the character? Well, the only one I remember is, is it, is it, uh, is it Richard Dreyfus? Is that the actor's name? But you Richard. did you did more of an impression of a female, so I don't know who else is in that movie. Okay, uh, you're right. I was trying to do a female voice. It's Olympia Dukakis uh, oh. playing Principal Jacobs. Oh, that was such an easy one. I can't believe I missed it. I can't either. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Olympia either. Dukakis. Okay. Okay. okay, this next one uh, is one of my favorites. I was very excited to come across it. Class is Pain 101. Your instructor is Casey Jones. Is that okay? So a, this is t something Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Oh, okay. You got it. Ding, ding, and ding. And the character is Casey Jones. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was an easy one. I have no idea who was the actor in that. Uh, I didn't either. It's Elias Cotius. I don't know how to say uh, his name. Tip of my tongue. Yeah. So so far, you have of I'm the four okay. questions we've done, you've got five points. Like I think okay. you're going to nail this, my friend. Okay. You ain't doing these kids a favor by patronizing them. You crippling them. 
You cripple on them for life. Is that from A, Dangerous Minds, B, Freedom Riders, or C, Remember the Titan? I think that's Remember the Titans, Denzel Washington. Ding, ding, ding. Correct again. Uh, what was his character's I'm, name? I know you hate that movie, Clint. I do. I put this one in here for you because I because I know you love I it. I don't know why you just think I love it. Because it's about football and it's inspirational and you like both those things. I like Rudy. Oh, okay. Uh, is there one about Rudy in this? There's up? not one about Rudy. Yeah, I remember seeing Rudy at a basketball camp and I was like, why am I watching a football movie at a basketball camp? It's inspirational, man. I guess so. I'm not a big fan of... Uh, of um, Sean Astin? That... Yeah. I like him in Stranger Things, but that's mostly because he died. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're going to get this one uh, okay. for sure. Go on. Lean in. Listen. You hear it? Carpe. Hear it? Carpe. Carpe diem. Seize the day, boys. Make your lives extraordinary. Do you want to keep doing this? I know this. This is Robin Williams, Dead Poet Society. I I don't know the name of his character. He's Mr. Keating. Oh, I should have known that. I would have also accepted Oh Captain, My Captain. Ah, dang. I didn't know you were accepting that. So, yeah, you're crushing this. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I just want to say your uh, reading of of these characters uh, is helping a lot. That's good. It's not that they're stupid. It's that they don't know anything. Mm. Is that from Mr. Holland's opus, Stand and Deliver, or Bad Teacher? I'm going to say Stand and Deliver. You got it again, sir. Yes, let's go. Um. I, I, I'm guessing it's the math teacher defending them and saying, you know, they haven't been taught anything. It's not that they're dumb, but I don't know the name of the actor or the character. So the actor's name is Edward James Olmos. Yeah. And he plays Mr. Escalante. Ugh. Next up. Does anyone know Homer's The Odyssey? I know Homer the Simpson. Ooh. Is that from Freedom Writers, Mean Girls, or Kindergarten Cop? I think it's going to have to be Mean Girls. No, I'm oh. sorry. That was from Freedom Writers. I have never seen Freedom Writers or Mean Girls. Oh, really? You've never yeah. seen Mean Girls? No, and, and everyone tells me I should. It's uh, pretty great. Yeah. Pretty great. Yep. Especially when Daphne gets into high school. She is so, in high school. Oh, yeah. You watch it with her. I forget. <laughs> Our daughters are the same age. <laughs> yeah. Like almost exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, two days off. Okay, yeah. so yeah, it's a good one. Do you know who the actress is in that movie? It's, it, well, Lin, uh, not Lindsay. Yeah, Lindsay Lohan? In Mean Girls, yes, but what about... Oh, we're talking Lohan? about Freedom Writers. <laughs> nope, nope. Uh, it's Hilary Swank, Ew. and she plays a uh, teacher named Aaron Gruel. Oh, so she's not the one who says, I know Homer Simpson. That's somebody No, else. She, says, uh, she says, does anyone know Homer's The Odyssey? Got it, got it. There are no victims in this classroom. Mm. Is that from Dangerous Minds, To Sir With Love, or Mona Lisa Smile? Dangerous Minds. That is correct. It is Dangerous Minds. And can you name the actress or character? I mean, I want to say Coolio, but I think Michelle Michelle Pfeiffer. It was Michelle Pfeiffer. Very good. I don't know if Coolio was actually in that movie or was just like music video for that song was right in my wheelhouse of like early high school. And I heard that a lot, I think. This will say a lot about me, but I don't know the Coolio song nearly as well as I know the Weird Al song, Amish Paradise. Sure. uh, Which is my jam. That's fair. So And expected. There's never a rap guy unless it's Weird Al. That's okay. 
So here's the final question. You've okay. already won. This is just for bonus times, uh, I guess. I did so much better, I just want to say, than I thought I was going to. Uh, you're doing a lot better than I thought you were going to, to you, be you made a nice quiz that was uh, attainable, accessible, but not too easy. Okay, let's see how you do on this one. Okay. Don't have sex because you will get pregnant and die. Don't have sex <laughs> in the missionary position. Don't have sex standing up. Just don't do it, okay? Promise? Okay, now everybody take some rubbers. Oh, my gosh. Is that from School of Rock, Mean Girls, or Bad Teacher? Okay, since School of Rock and Mean Girls has already been an option, I'm going to go with Bad Teacher. I've never seen it, but this seems like something a bad teacher would do. Uh, unfortunately, that comes from Mean Girls. Ah, oh, man, so, I really got to see that movie. Yeah, you, you do. Uh, that is uh, a guy named Dwayne Hill. I don't think that you would get it because they, he's a character actor that no one okay. knows. Yep. And he plays Coach Carr. Sorry, Dwayne Hill, if you listen to this podcast, we apologize. I'm sure some people know you. We love you, Dwayne. Dwayne. You're one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. I mean, the fact that I chose this quote of all the quotes from Mean Girls for this lets you know <laughs> how much I care about you. Chad, uh, out of a possibility of 10 points, you scored 12 points. You are a winner with extra, extra credit. credits. Maybe I am not a very good teacher. I'm giving you too much, uh, too easy no. to get through this. No, I think it was great. Like I said, it was challenging, but, uh, but accessible. Well done. That was really fun. And that is it for this month. You have a question? Is there anything you think we missed when talking about education and the pandemic that needs to be addressed? Or do you have new ideas for topics we should cover on future episodes? We have an email address for that. Contact us at schooljapodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget about our website, schooljapod.com. It still works. As always, we are grateful to Nikki Hill for our wonderful theme song. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. And don't forget to give us a quick rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps other people find us. Or if that seems too hard, tell your friends to listen. Or wish for Santa to not give out presents this year, but instead automatically upload this podcast to everyone's phones against their will. Yeah, just like you two did about 10 years ago with the iPhone 6. I think just saying that puts us on the naughty list. Well, if it works, totally worth it. <sighs> Whatever, Clint. Merry Christmas, and thanks for listening. And enjoy the new year. Even though the new year for teachers starts in September, and so New Year's Day is essentially pointless for us, we don't even start a new semester until the end of January, so it doesn't even really mean anything new. And don't even get me started on New Year's resolutions. What a scam! I gotta look at our script because I'm confused. I didn't touch anything. Hmm? What are you looking at? Oh. <laughs>